Well, welcome to Mile Straight. We're so glad you're here today. I hope you've already gotten started on uh, just a beautiful time of worship. Uh, music was incredible this morning. Thanks again, guys, for leading it. I, uh, I want to invite you to do something. I want to invite you to reach into your bulletin, and you will find a study guide in there. If you would, take that out. And then take advantage of the clipboards and the pens in the book rack in front of you. Um, yeah, it should make the experience a little easier than trying to hold it in your lap and fill it out. Let me give you a heads up on something regarding the study guide this morning. Uh, typically, uh, we work our way systematically through the study guide and you're filling in as we move through our study. Today is going to be different because of the fact that what we're going to do working up to uh, the time when we will do the actual fill-ins is we're going to set the stage. And so we won't actually do fill-ins for the biggest part of the service. Don't think 15 minutes from now, oh my goodness, he's still talking and we haven't even gotten to the first point yet. Because once we get to the points, we're just going to click right through them really fast. So hang on when we get there. I know some of you will have that look of terror in your eyes. We got to start early service so we can get out early. But here we are. We're going to be going till after lunch anyway. So but don't, don't fear. Don't be afraid. Uh, I will promise you that I will make good use of your time while you're here. Today we're talking about the topic of uh, what defines you. What defines you. We moved from where we were last week. We, we started this series, and in fact it was a completely unintended series for me. I thought that God had given me three random thoughts, and through the course of of just a lot of prayer on my part and your part, a lot of study and uh, uh, research. God brought me to the place where I understood how these three, what I consider random thoughts, were very connected. And, and so today we're going to move from stage one, from the transparent stage, to stage two, the transformed stage. We have the title, Transparent to Transform to Transcend. We're going to see the progression of this. We're going to see a little bit of it today. Next week, I hope that it will make even more sense as we look to transcend, to rise above. So look with me today at the thought of transform. It's important that we have the first stage, the transparent stage, where we, we identify, we, we come to grips with who we are. We acknowledge what we are and who we are before a holy and righteous God. It's so important that we acknowledge the truth of this situation, not just what we want people to think about us. Uh, most of us come in with mask on and, and this really great costume of this invincible Christian. That's kind of what we want to present to people, but God wants us to tear off the mask and to be transparent, to just... Uh, identify with who we really are before a holy God, before a righteous God, to just acknowledge what we truly are before Him. And I think that we have to do that first before we ever get to the second stage of transformation. If we don't come to grips with who we are, we're not able to express the truth of who we are, we will never get to the place of transformation in our lives. It will never happen. And so today we move to this question, what defines you? I want you to think about that with me for a second. And I'm going to throw out some things that typically define people in our society today. And, 
And maybe you could find the one that best fits you in here. If not, if you don't fit into these categories, be thinking, okay, well, where do I fit? What would define me as a person? What is really most important to me in my life today, okay? So think about some of these things. Number one, sometimes people are defined by their appearance. They work really hard to stay in shape. They work really hard to look good. And, and that's what defines them. That's the trait that is so important to them in life. For others, it may be, uh, let's say, their finances. And, and they've worked hard to get to this position that they're in, to get the bank account to where it is. And that's what defines them. This, this work ethic that has brought them to the place of being financially secure, financially stable, and that's the defining part of their lives. For others, it's relationships. Relationships with uh, people that uh, are important and significant in our society and in our culture. And, and as they make these friendships and they build them, it becomes who they are. You know, they, they're known by the people they hang out with. For others, maybe it's a, a job or a, a, a particular um, uh, industry in which they have associated themselves and they've become known in that industry and, and they're important, they have authority, they have power, they have prestige and as a result that kind of defines their life. This is who I am. I have achieved certain things in my life. For others, maybe it's their education. They're well-educated, and as a result of this education, they have opportunities there that, that other people don't necessarily have, and, and, and that's what defines them as an individual. Still others may be defined by their abilities. Uh, they, they are unique in their gifts. God has blessed them incredibly, and, and whether it be in sports or in, in uh, particular arts or, or whatever the case may be, they are just really gifted, and they have these abilities, and, and therefore they're known by that. People define them by what they're known by. This is something that's really important in their lives. Still others, and this one may catch you off guard. You may be saying there's no way, but I promise you, I was in this boat at one point in my life, and I believe there are many others who may be as well. Some people are defined by their sports teams. It's true, really. You're defined by the sports team. And, man, as long as the sports team's doing great, then it's easily defined. And I'm part of this important group. And even though I haven't done a thing to be part of this important group other than cheer for them, it's what defines my life. It's me. It's me. And these are all things dealing with the present situation, but there are also those things in the past that define some people. For some, it's a, it's a very positive thing. They have done something notable in the past, and as a result, they're still known by that today. Maybe in their life they were a really good ball player in, in high school or maybe college. And, and as a result, they are known by that. It defines their life. You think about Michael Jordan. I mean, what an incredible ball player he was. And, and you can't see him without associating him with, with basketball or Wheaties. You know, maybe one of the two. He's an incredible athlete, and he is defined by what he was in the past. And even though he's not that anymore, I'm sure he's still an incredible basketball player, but, but he's not in the limelight anymore. He's still known. He's still identified by what he was in the past. For others, maybe it's a negative thing. The past is negative. There's something that they did in the past, something that was, was, was 
was bad, it was horrible, it was evil, whatever the case may be. And as a result, they just can't let it go. They're, they can't forgive themselves to move past it and therefore it defines Or maybe it was something that happened to them, something tragic, something pitiful, something ridiculous, something horrible that happened to them in their past. And as a result, they've still got that hanging over their head. It defines them even to this day. So many places that we can be defined in our culture, and I hope that you found the one that best fits you. And I'm not trying to say that there's anything wrong with most of these. I would imagine that when we start dealing with the past on the negative side, then we've got some issues there that, that we would not classify that as a positive element in life. But what I'm saying is that the other things are, are, are all positive things. They're all okay until... Until they define you as a person. And the reason that's so problematic is when we're defined by something of this world, we're defined by something that is temporary. We're defined by something that is transient. It's changing all the time. So that if I'm defined by my appearance, then it's okay until I get in my 50s and then all of a sudden I don't look like I used to look in my 30s and my 20s. And that which defined me has now been pulled out from under me and I find myself in a very vulnerable, a very insecure, a very lonely, empty place in my life. And if I'm defined by my finances, then something happens, the stock market goes south again like it did a few years ago and all of a sudden that which defined me has been pulled out from under me and I'm left in a very vulnerable, a very insecure, lonely, empty place. Or if I'm defined by a job, or, or a position, or authority, or power, or influence, and all of a sudden that influence and power is left to someone else, that which defines me is swept out from under me, and once again, the emptiness, the loneliness, the insecurity, the vulnerability... If I'm defined by my abilities, what I used to do in the past, now all of a sudden I can't do it anymore in the present, then all of a sudden that which defines me is pulled out from under me. I can remember doing this in softball, church softball. You know, I considered myself to be pretty decent at one point, but then there came a time as I got a little older that my, my mind would say, okay, you got to get there to catch that ball. My body would say, you can forget that. You're not getting there. And if that's what defines us as a person, then that which defines us is swept out from under us, and all of a sudden we're left with this emptiness and this loneliness. I'm not talking just to high school students. Certainly you guys, high school, middle school students, you face this. But I want you to know, even as we get older, those of us who have achieved that, as we get older, man, we see it happening as well. Because now all of a sudden what we used to be able to do, what we used to be able to brag about, we can't do it anymore. And therefore, that empty feeling just sweeps in over us. In every situation you see this happening, regardless of what the means was of their identity, when it gets pulled out from under it, you see a very pitiful situation. 
You see someone that, that has had it all. They were identified by something that made them notable, by something that was vital and important to them. And now all of a sudden it's gone and they're left there with no identity. And they are empty inside. The Bible talks about this in Romans chapter 12. And by the way, we're doing a Bible study through Romans chapter 12 on Sunday evening. I would love for you to come and join us. Now this evening we'll be doing a review over the first three verses that we've already covered. And then we'll hit verses 4 and 5. We'd love for you to come be part of that at 6.30 tonight here in the auditorium. But in verse 2, Paul was writing, he tells us, he says, Do not be conformed to this world. And that's exactly what we're talking about here, being identified by things of the world, being identified by things that are transient or changing, by things that are, are, are temporary. I mean, if you're identified by your finances, your possessions, or anything else on the list, you have to understand that at some point, it's going gonna, it's gonna to evade you. It's going to run from you. Whether that be in this life or once you step into the next life, it is going to be of absolutely no benefit to you. You're not going to take your money with you. You're not going to take your car, your house with you. Coincidentally, if we were to be able to take that with us to heaven, and those of us who know Christ as Savior, when we enter into the presence of Jesus Christ someday, we get there with what we claim is important here, we would see how meaningless and worthless it actually is when we get to eternity. So we wouldn't want to take it with us anyway, but it's, it's temporary. He says, do not be conformed to that. Don't be identified by that. Don't allow that to define your life. Because it will not benefit you. It puts you on shaky ground. The foundation of which you're building your identity is going to crumble out from under you. And it's going to leave you in a very desperate situation. So don't be identified by the things of this world. Do not conform to this world, but rather, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, a transformation. Of course, it's what we're talking about today. A transformation takes place to where I change the way I think about what's here in my life, what has identified me in the past, what seems to be so very important to me in the present. I change the way I think about it. The renewing of the mind, to make the mind new again. To make the thoughts new again. To change what we used to think about different things. So that I no longer look like what's on the outside. Now all of a sudden I begin to look like what's on the inside. And what is on the inside of every child of God? It is the Spirit of God. See, there's a problem when a believer looks more like what's on the outside than he does what's on the inside. There's a real problem in my life if I am defined by things of the world and not by the things of God. There's a problem for me personally in a lot of different ways. It begins because it's so shaky, it's so transient that it's not going to benefit me. At some time or another, it's going to be swept out from under me and it's going to be painful. And it hurts me in eternity because I've not laid up treasure where it matters. I've not put it where it counts. So God says, don't conform to these things. Don't allow them to define your life. 
but rather be transformed, be changed in your thinking to identify with something that is far more important and far more valuable than anything you will ever find in this world. And why is it that we, when we identify with that which is on the inside, that things begin to take a turn for the better? Why? Why is it that when we identify, we're talking obviously about God the Father, His Son Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit is working through us, when we identify with the Word of God, why is it that it takes us to a place of peace and security and fulfillment in life? Why is it that it's a lasting peace and satisfaction? Why is it that it's ongoing fulfillment in life when we identify and we are defined by God Almighty? Because that which defines us then is permanent. It's not changing. It's not going to be different next month than it is this month. The bar is not going to be fluctuating between really high to really low. Where I can get in when it's really low, but then it sweeps up high and all of a sudden, I'm just out of luck again. But it's the same. I want to give you some scripture references and then I want to read the verse to you. I wish you'd maybe turn your sheet over and write these references down so that you can go back later and read them and, and meditate upon them, think about them a little longer. The first one is our text verse for today, Hebrews 13.8. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3.6 For I, the Lord, do not change. James 1.17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation and no shadow due to change. Psalm 102.24-27 Oh my God, I say, Take me not away in the midst of my days, you whose years endure throughout all generations. Of old you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same. Your years have no end. Psalm 89:34 I will not alter the words that went forth from my lips. 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever, unchanged, unbroken. Jeremiah 37, 27. I am the Lord, the God of every person on earth. Nothing is impossible for me. This is just a small sampling of what you find in the Word of God to understand that God does not change. And as a result, when I build my identity, when I am defined by God Almighty, I am defined upon that which is stable, it is secure. It never fluctuates and it will never be swept out from under me. So we have something that is so important. 
Because not only does it bring stability, but with that stability it brings peace, satisfaction, and fulfillment in life. So then I think an obvious question for us is, well then how do I get it? Okay, how do I obtain this definition for my life? How do, I, how do I come about the peace and the security of what comes through a, a relationship, a journey with God Almighty? How do I get that in my life? So then here's where your notes come into play. If you would, get ready to write because number one, and for me this is a very obvious one, but I think it needs to be stated anyway. You must, in order to be defined by God Almighty, you must, number one, be His child. You must be His child. Now, if I'm going to be defined by one who cares for me, who takes care of me, I must be part of His family. Okay. Uh, while God does oversee all the events of the world and He moves them and operates them, to His glory and the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose, we also understand that God has a special place for those who are part of His family. He has promised to protect us. He has promised to care for us. Where He hasn't promised that for those who are not part of His family. So then if I'm going to lean on something that's going to become so important to me, it must be that I must be part of the family of God. Okay, number one. Number two, number two, I must recognize the significance of that. I must recognize the significance of being part of the family of God. Now, why do I say that? I want to revert back now to the things we talked about earlier that, that somehow define people's lives. And I want you to think about it in relationship to it being significant to us, it being important to us, okay? For me, if I, if I go back and I, I say that, um, oh, let's, let's say um, that um, uh, my abilities. We'll talk about something that is obviously in the past, okay? So if I go back and I say my abilities are what define me as a person, uh, and yet it really doesn't matter to me, it's not that important, then the truth is that's not really defining my life. It's no big deal. If it is finances in my life, but yet they're not really that important to me, that's not defining my life. I can go through education, through power, through prestige, through position, through ball teams, whatever the case may be. And if they're not important to me, they are not defining my life. So then for me to be defined by God Almighty... It must be something that is significant to me that he's allowed me to be his child. It should be significant to all of us. And you think about how special that is. What God had to do to prepare the way for us to be identified as his children. Wow. He had to give his only son on the cross to die for us. God had to pay a very expensive price so that we could be purchased, could be redeemed, and brought into the family of God. John talks about this. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, 1 John 3, 1. He says, see 
What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. John got it. John understood because he saw what Jesus Christ went through on the cross of Calvary. He saw the agony. He saw the suffering. He saw the rejection of God. He saw it all. He was standing there with, with Jesus' mother. He was standing there at the foot of the cross. He watched what took place. He knew what the cost was. He knew what the price was. And he said, God has lavished on us such incredible love so that we can be called his children. Now here's the thing. If you're struggling with this particular thought, maybe it's not that important to you at this point in your life, then hang on because point number five is going to help you greatly if you'll follow it. Okay? So just hang on. Number three. Not only must I be his child and understand the significance of that, but number three, I must also trust him, trust his promises, and trust his love. I must trust God. I must trust the promises of God, and I must trust the love of God. It's hard to be identified by something that you don't really believe in. And so if I don't really believe that deeply in the promises of God, if I don't really believe that deeply in the love of God, then it's hard for me to be defined by Him. In fact, I would go as far to tell you that it's impossible. It's impossible. Now, if you're struggling with this one also, and you've got a problem with that, you, you want to trust, but you, you're really struggling with it, then let me beg you just to hang on because point number five is going to offer you some help as well if you're willing to do what it says. Point number four. Not only must I do the first three, but now it comes to the fourth point where I must be more concerned about what God, my heavenly Father, thinks of me than I am about anyone else. Now, let me read it the way it is in your notes. It's a personal thing. You must be more concerned about what God, your heavenly Father, thinks of you than everyone else. Now, I don't know about you, but this one is hard for me. It's not as hard now as it used to be. In fact, I've gone through some things in my life to where I just had to come to the place that I said, you know what? My objective here is not to please you. My objective here is to please God. If in the process of time you're pleased as well, then that's, that's wonderful. But if I have pleased God and you're not pleased with it, well then, I hate it. God wants us to come to the place to where we are holding for Him the priority of most important in our lives. To where my, my initial thought in anything I do or say is, what is God going to think about this? Not, what is my wife going to think about this? What is my daughter going to think about My daughter, daughter, son-in-law, and our grandbaby are here this morning, first time. And man, it's so exciting to look back and see them. But in some ways, it's hard to look back because she is my worst critic. You know, for some reason, she feels it's her mission in life to tell me if I do something wrong. Now, I'm being a little overdramatic about it, but she is very straightforward with me, and it's something I appreciate most of the time. 
There are times when I don't appreciate it. And and yet, for me, I have to get out of that mindset because I'm such a people pleaser. I have to get out of that mindset to where that's my focus, that's my goal, that's my heart, to understand that pleasing God is far more important to me. Now, maybe you struggle with this one as well. Maybe you got the same issues I have, and you're a people pleaser. And hang on, because point number five is going to help you if you're willing to follow it. So we make our way through. We, We have to be a child of God to be identified by God, to be defined by God. We have to understand the significance of that. We have to come to the place to where we trust God with all our heart, soul, mind, and spirit, where we trust the promises that He's given to us and we trust His love. We have to come to the place where we're more concerned about what God thinks about us than anyone else. And then number five, how do we make this happen? How do these things come to pass in our lives? How do we overcome the The negatives of of not being able to do those, not doing those. How do we overcome it? Number five, we stay in God's Word and we stay on our knees in prayer. We stay in God's Word and we stay on our knees in prayer. Why? Because number one, God's Word is what tells me how I can be born again. It shows me the way. Number two, it it shows me the significance of being a child of God. It shows me what I will no longer have to face, and it shows me the greatness of what I will get to face in eternity. Number three, not only does it show me the significance of it, but it also shows me what God has promised to me. It shows me God himself. It shows me the incredible love of God for me. And as a result... Through my experience in life and knowing what God says, I come to understand how deeply I can trust in God. you got to know something. The longer I walk with God and the more transparent I am with myself to where I don't try to take credit for the good things that happen in life, the more transparent, the more understanding of who I really am in light of a holy God, the more I grow to love and trust God as I see His faithfulness to me. We talked about that faithfulness last week. It's not faithfulness on my part. I prove time and again that I am not that. But yet God, in His great kindness, loves me anyway. Cares for me anyway. Yes, he does allow me from time to time, if I stray from him, to be disciplined, circumstances to be hard, to be trying. But that's only because he loves me so much that he wants me to be back in the center of his will where where I am best off. He wants me in that position. And so I've grown to trust even his discipline in my life. I've grown to trust even the heartache and the sorrows that come, whether as a result of discipline or just because of life itself. I've grown to trust God because I know that what he's doing is best for me. 
There's no way for me to develop such a trust unless I am in His Word and I know what He says to me so that when He does it, I can say, look at there, the promise of God is proven true. The goodness of God to me is proven true time and time and time again. Not only that, it also brings me to a place of understanding why it is so important that God be the one that matters most to me. Why it is so significant that God matter most in my life. It is the Word of God that reveals that to me. And I know I talk about this a lot. But I think this is the key to transformation. It is the Word of God. If you desire transformation in your life, you get in the Word of God. If you just so-so on it, then just don't. I have verified this time and time and time again. When I'm in the Word of God most frequently, it is those times that I have less trouble with those things that usually trip me up and bring me into a sinful state. But during those times that I have strayed from being more in-depth in God's Word, reading His Word, listening to His Word, those are the times that I find it so easy to be tripped up. Let me tell you something. It is the Word of God that will make an incredible impact on your life. It's actually the key here. It's the key to understanding. There's one more point that I want to show you, and I wish you wouldn't put your notes up when you write this in. Please keep them out. But this one final thought brings us to the place to where we just simply say, number six, I must continually remind myself of the other five. I must continually remind myself of the other five. It is my prayer that what you're going to do is take this sheet home and maybe you put it in your own handwriting, maybe you leave it on the sheet as it is, and you tape it to your bathroom mirror so that every morning you get up and you read that to yourself. Today, today, I am going to be reminded of how incredible it is to be a child of God. Today, I'm going to be reminded of how much I can trust God, how much I can lean upon Him, how much He loves me. Today, I'm going to be reminded that God is one who is worthy of my attention, who is worthy of me being concerned about what he thinks about me, more so than anyone else. Today, I am going to invest in his word. Maybe you put it on the mirror in the bathroom, maybe you put it on the refrigerator door, and you tell yourself, before I open the refrigerator door, at any time I'm going to read what's on this list. I'm going to remind myself that the only place I can find peace and security and, and, and fulfillment in life is found in a transformation to become like the one who lives inside of me. It's not going to be found in what's in the world. It's only going to be found in being identified and defined by God Himself. So now what do we do with this, with this type of study 
I thought about this because I think that there's always a place when we study God's Word, when we come to the point that we just say, okay, now what? Then what do I do with it? I think it would be the wrong thing for me to do. I think I would do an injustice to you, to myself, to the Word of God, to bring you to this place and then say, okay, now go figure it out. I think that we've got to come to an understanding of this is what God expects from us as a result of what we've learned and what we've studied today. So what is that? For some, maybe it's that you understand the importance of being God's child. Or at least you're being drawn to that. You want to know more about it. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do in just a few minutes. A few minutes, the instrumentalists are going to come. Jason will come and he will begin singing at some point. And it opens up what we just call a time of invitation where we invite you to respond to what God is calling you to do. So if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the invitation for you is really simple. When Jason begins to sing, I've already asked you to stand. Would you just make your way to the aisle that's closest to you and just meet me right here? We're not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. We're not asking you to give anything or be part of anything. It's not about that stuff. This is just simply about having someone trained in God's Word to show you how Jesus Christ died in your place to make it possible for you to have a relationship with Almighty God. So the invitation for you then is to come and allow us to introduce you to the Savior. What you do from there is up to you. No obligation, no cost. It's up to you. Would you just come and get the information? For others, maybe it's just to come to the place to where you start walking through these different things that you're going to do this week, you're going to be thinking about and you're going to implement, and you see where you're weak. Maybe you don't understand the significance, and so you're going to say, God, I want to be one who is in your word to understand the significance of being your child. And, and as a result of that time, I'm going to be on my knees asking you through your Holy Spirit to guide me into that. Or maybe for you, it's, it's point number three. You've got a little struggle there with, 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 with this, uh, this particular understanding. So you're just going to be in God's Word this way. You say, God, through your Holy Spirit, I want you to strengthen me and guide me into this. Because here's the thing. This prayer thing is so important because if, if I just read the Bible and I get this information and I take it and I say, okay, now I can take it and do it from here. It's very prideful of me because the fact is I can't do it from here. What I have to do is, is be transparent, be transparent with myself to recognize and, and, and understand how vulnerable I am to, to being just drifting away and being swept away by different things. How deeply I need God's work in my life through His Holy Spirit. So I'm going to commit this week to being in the Word of God and to humbling myself before God and saying, God, I need you to work this in my life. I submit myself to you now. Allow your Holy Spirit, please, to work in my life. I want to trust you. I want to grow in your love. Maybe for you, number four is the problem. You're just really struggling with, with this whole issue of who's most important and who's whose uh, look of, of kindness on you you prefer. 
So that's something you want to work through this week. And you're going to pray, God, direct me in your word to the parts that are going to help me most. and going to grow me and develop me. For us, maybe then it's just simply responding and saying, okay, God, here's my difficult area. Or maybe more likely, if you're like me, here's my difficult areas. Here's my problems. And, and so today, I just surrender this to you. I confess my weakness. I confess how, how desperately I need you in my life. God, would you work through me this week? Through your Holy Spirit, would you guide me into truth? Would you guide me into this place of truly being defined by your Son? So there's what we ought to do with the message. Now the real question is, will you do it? Will you do it? Not to appease somebody next to you. Not to make me happy. But because this is what God's directing you to do in your life right now. So will you do it?